Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. 162 regular season games, six months of travel, flights, hotels, and baseball. Join us now for a behind-the-scenes look at a season on the road with the Oakland A's. Vince Catronio takes us on a journey around Major League Baseball. Starting now. It is time for another edition of A Season on the Road. Vince Catronio with the television voice of the Chicago White Sox. He's from the south side of Chicago. Jason Benetti. And Jason, you grew up here. And now you're the lead announcer. You filled in for a few years behind the Hawk. And now it's your job to keep. Is it a dream job? Is this the job that Jason grew up thinking about in the basement? Yeah. Uh, and you're right. It was in the basement. Uh, I, No, I. it's the hard part about all of it is when you get the Lifetime Achievement Award at age 35, it's like, oh, well, now you're done. And I don't, I don't want to be done with getting better at life right but I do want to be in this chair for a very long time uh it's it's what I grew up wanting to be you go back to your life a lot of people may know about it but those that don't uh, born premature then cerebral palsy is a part of your life it certainly has not defined your life but take me through your interest in sports and the way that you felt like there was an opportunity for you to to, to be a part of it in, in a maybe not a way on the field like we all have dreamed of it one time, but certainly have found a way to make it a, a special part of your life. Yeah, I always liked the strategy of it. And I, you know, like any kid, like coming to the game and just eating as much food as you could possibly put in front of me. But I was a big video game player and, uh, you know, I'd play baseball video games and football video games and narrate them and lose friends because I wouldn't shut up while narrating the games we were playing. But it was... Um, you know, it was, it was part of who I was on a daily basis. I would keep stats and I would follow along and in the paper every day, see for the kids what the paper is, is they used to have this thing that all the scores were in and it wasn't a computer. Uh, no, but I, I, I had a great time with it and I learned through sports as well and I learned strategy through sports. And then I was so lucky to have a high school radio station and you get that put in front of you and you learn that you're good at something. And of course you want to go pursue it as a, a young person. So for me to get exposed to something that I could be good at, and you know, frankly, like people who haven't seen me walk, like it's, uh, it's a halting walk. You, you look at it and you're like, whoa, that's kind of weird. And uh, it was the place I could go and I didn't realize it then where nobody saw me. 
So not to get too philosophical, but that was the point of it. I was a little too naive to understand what I was doing. But the microphone's a really nice uh, blanket. Before you got behind the microphone, how influential were your parents to tell Jason Benetti, be Jason, this is something that you like, you have fun at it, you happen to be good at it at a very early age, let's take this out for a drive and see where it takes us. Yeah, they, they basically said go do whatever you want. We'd play wiffle ball in the backyard, my friends and I and my parents, and, and basketball in the front driveway. And I never was on any organized teams, but I always liked being athletic, uh, air quotes, right? But uh, doing athletic things, uh, maybe not in a great way, but, you know, I had a decent jump shot and uh, could dunk at an early – no, I, that, that part's not real, but the jump shot is. And it, it was um, much more about them letting me do whatever I wanted, whatever I felt like I could, and then pushing the limits of that. And so without that and without them and without some friends that I made later on in life in college and, and just helping me understand that I get to be me no matter what, uh, there's a lot of confidence that stems from that, I think. I can't remember the name of the video game, but I remember the player that my son Dominic always had on his lineup. Pablo Sanchez was the best player in this video game of all the kids, baseball buddies or something along those Backyard lines. Backyard baseball. Backyard baseball. Yeah. And that, that was, I guess they just had a 20th or so anniversary recently. That was a big deal for Dominic. That helped him while he continued to play, but he, he had a ball at that game. Is that one of the games that... that pops out when you think about the video games you played? So I've played it. Uh, I know it. But for me, it was like Ken Griffey Jr. baseball and Madden had just started when I was a kid. So like when I was really young was the first Madden and then like NFL Blitz, the games that were a little bit more, uh, you know, hardcore, I guess, like Blitz. And but but I always liked building seasons like I grew up in my teens they were starting franchise mode and things like that where you could follow along with your team that you created and i was the kid this is uh this also doesn't gain you a lot of friends but i was the kid who if a player wasn't in the system but was in a lineup every day in major league baseball i had to create that person because the rosters had to be be accurate which is sad you touched on the radio station at a high school level and i courtesy of the great ed farmer next door uh, we played golf on the off day here in Chicago at Cog Hill, and your name came up with the pro out there saying his kids went to school with you, and they remember almost like Wayne's World going down in their basement listening to you on the high school radio station, either doing play-by-play or having a talk show. Did you know what you were doing when you were doing all this back then at that age? No. I mean, I just knew I liked it, and I knew I had people around who I liked as well. I made some very good friends at the radio station. We hung out and did radio things. And it was, I mean, it was just a place you could go. And by the way, we had a couple teachers there who were the types of people who would read something that we put together before we went on the air. We'd go in and read the scripts and they'd say, well, maybe tweak this, maybe tweak that. They were stern, but they were also welcoming. And they kind of put this system together where we knew that we were learning from people who were good. And there was a right way. It wasn't always one way, but there was a, hey, you can do better here. And when you have standards set for you, uh, I think that's a pretty beautiful thing because then you know that you're going beyond where you could and you see it as a craft and you see it as something you can climb and do better at. And, and thank goodness for them. I know you've done, because you've worked for ESPN and have for several years, you do college football and college basketball for them. And part of that is taking you to my alma mater, Central Florida. When I went to school back when the dinosaurs roamed the earth, it was a very small school, and our college radio station 
was 10 watts. And yet we had a collection of people. The, the, uh, the music guy was really into it. The engineering people really made sure the equipment were right. The news people got into the news. The entertainment people felt the same way. And the sports collection of people, myself and some of my friends that are friends of mine to this very day, that we did, you know, UCF sports. We did everything. We did the football. We did the basketball. We did baseball. We did soccer. You know, we went to watch wrestling. We did reports, et cetera. And th those people are still near and dear to my heart. And even though I've reached a very high level working Major League Baseball, those are as much fun events as I had getting on a bus and riding from Orlando, Florida to northern Alabama, to Russellville, Alabama, to do a small college football game. Uh, what are the memories like for you as, as before you got to Syracuse, but for that collection, doing high school and, and those friends that you made at that time? Yeah, I mean, I, I have those, and I have college memories of road trips like you're talking about, too. But but in high school, you know, we would go, and we would go string a phone line from all the way at the bottom of the bleachers and a road game all the way to the top of the bleachers, and you never knew if the equipment was going to work, and you do half of it on a phone, a uh, cell phone, and half of it on a landline phone, and sometimes the equipment would actually work and all of that. But I... It was uh, it was one of those collective experiences that I didn't take enough notes when it was happening, but I just remember in studio a lot of late nights just sitting and talking about nothing, but just seeing what was on the music playlist and looking stuff up and just seeing wherever our minds go. The one thing that I, I do recall that I wish I had a tape of, but there was an election night that we had coverage of and they asked me to co-host the election night and we were on the air for six seven hours i mean until, elections in chicago yeah yeah local <laughs> elections so i i had no idea you know like i'm i'm 17 i have no real civic understanding of what we're talking about but we're just on the air and you gotta talk and you see whatever happens and we had i mean we must have had six reporters around so they would call and they'd file reports we'd play them and we'd traffic and do all the navigating and then who knows what we said but i, I remember being on the air for six or seven hours and it was this awesome experience of like oh i i can do this we can do this together and you know the other the other thing is i never actually took the broadcasting classes but in the class, it was a requirement for all the juniors to do a 55-minute radio documentary. That was the final project of the whole class. As a junior in high school, it's a pretty daunting thing. I took the cop out. I didn't actually take the class. I just announced three of my friends' documentaries. So I remember like the stress of if it was a second over or a second under, you lost a letter grade. So it was, it was a pretty substantial thing to hit the post of 55 minutes on the clock. And it was this very tense, very man-made, but very tense environment. And it was, it was great fun. Jason Benetti is joining us in our season on the road from the south side of Chicago. The A's and the White Sox getting together this weekend. You got to Syracuse. That's not an easy place to get into, especially for aspiring broadcasters. The lineage goes back to Costas and Tirico and on and on it goes. And Benetti now a part of that. What, what, what was that experience like? knowing the pressure and, and, you know, competition there for everybody wanting to break free out of Syracuse and go on to, the, to some of the things that others before them had accomplished. I laugh when you say my name with mm. those people because it's, and I know it sounds a little trite or it sounds like I'm trying to be humble, but to be in even the paragraph with those people is not even what I went for. Like, I, I went to just learn about whatever from a place where you're supposed to learn from it like I 
uh, it's bizarre to me that people consider me that because I've been when when uh, when I and Eagle got this award that they give out to uh, a, a you know Hall of Fame type sportscaster every year. I was in this room with Ian and Mike Tirico and McDonough and Beth Moens and this this group of people. And what was interesting was we're all sitting in the front row while each other was talking and just like scribbling little notes of things that we can reference in other people's speeches. It's the most daunting, funny room I've been in. And I felt like it, I was mismatched because I don't have the experience that they do. And like, you know, we've reached a high level and that's great and all but uh to i i laugh at that but the what i gained from syracuse is i don't think i'll ever be in an environment with 15 people who have such unified goals just to do great stuff politics seeps into everything we do people like to mark their territory in whatever industry and business once it gets corporate and once money infiltrates that happens. We all do it. Anybody who claims that they don't play politics in some way is just, I think, lying. And we had it, too, in our little Petri dish of 20-year-olds. But, man, being around so many people who just want to be great is enlivening. It gets you amped. And that's what I will always miss from that environment because you learn what to do. You definitely learn what not to do by being around people who are so motivated and so goal-oriented, there's just gonna be a fight. Like, that's just gonna happen, and there's gonna be all this nitpicky, did he get this assignment, did you get that assignment, all this stuff, whatever. Uh, I learned how to do great work when other great people are around you. So let's fast forward to here, to Chicago. Uh, Frank Thomas and Robin Ventura and Jack McDowell, the team that goes to the World Series and wins in 2005 and suddenly just a few years ago as you're having a, an emerging successful career on television and doing play-by-play -play sports you're tapped on the shoulder and saying how about doing a few games for us oh by the way you're filling in for Hawk Harrelson who has as iconic a broadcaster as we all know on the television side of anybody in baseball him and Harry on the other side when Harry was alive there was there was nothing like the two kind of going back and forth and so you get a chance to sit in that chair. What was the first game? How nervous were you for that first game? So I felt good because spring training game one, it was so comfortable with Stoney that like we just went. It, we had had dinner a couple of times. We felt good about working with one another. And it felt like we had been together for longer than one game. But day one here at our ballpark was my first regular season game. It was the day after the home opener, the two days, whatever. If there was an off day in between, uh, neither here nor there. But uh, it was the second game of the season, and I had maybe 15 people who had come in from wherever they were, and some from here as well, but family and friends. And they were in a suite, and, you know, there was this... Uh, <laughs> one of my friends from college couldn't come uh, and wanted to, but we had a running joke in college that... Uh, it's not a good party until there's a pineapple. So we would like go and buy a pineapple and have it in the middle of, you know, one of those stupid college things you do. I walked into the booth that morning and there was a pineapple sitting on the desk. And I was like, wow, how he did, I don't know how he did that or who did that, but that's great fun. And then it hit me like, wow, there are people who are proud of this that aren't me 
and that's uh, way better than whatever pride I have uh, because I care deeply, especially for those people. And then it was like, wow, this is actually happening. And I'm telling you, Avi Garcia homered late in the game against Cleveland. And I want to say it was Dan Otero, but it could have been somebody else. But he homered to right field into the bullpen. And I called it, and I wasn't sentimental at all. Like, I, I was like, this is a job. I'm going to do the job. You know, I'm a Sox fan, but I'm going to do the job. And I almost teared up as the ball cleared the fence. And it was one of those, like, how, why? What was that? I, I thought I had knocked all of that out. I, I thought it was just, okay, let's go do the game. I'm ready for this. I'm, and I was. Like, it went well. Obviously, they haven't fired me yet, so it went okay. But it was this emotional hit that just when you get a little uh, cold about sports or try to so you can make it into a job, it hits you again right across the face. And it was this wonderful reminder that even if you don't want to be attached to it for like very self-preservational reasons, it's going to get you anyway. Jason Benetti joining us on a season on the road. And among the many things that I, that I enjoy about your work is certainly the way you go about your work and the way that it's it, you're simply Jason Benetti and all the other things that we all know about you because of the cerebral palsy are, are, are something that I can't imagine, but you, you continue to poke fun at yourself. And I, I'm curious on how awkward moments came about, uh, you and, and folks on the national level with cerebral palsy trying to create attention and, and create opportunities for, for fundraising, et cetera. You came together and you said, you know what, why not? use me as the pincushion and you wrote and you and you voice these these great uh caricatures of yourself and the great little uh animated shorts how did that come about and i mean i've watched them and i'm just so impressed that you were able to do that and do it in a way that that brings comfort to a lot of people that are around around you well th thank you first of all it's that's important to me that 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 you say that because it's um I don't try to pretend it's not hard sometimes to be perceived in a certain way. Like, I still get frustrated sometimes when people just aren't understanding. They don't have to talk slowly to me and smile extra. But they mean well. Everybody means well. And I, I wanted to, along with the Cerebral Palsy Foundation, do something that spoke to all of these repeated odd circumstances that happen when you navigate the world with a disability all the stuff we say in those the four that are out are things that uh can help anybody who doesn't have a disability understand what they're doing as they're responding like the first one we did is basically a kid asking a mom what's wrong with me as he looks at me at a movie theater and the mom says well shh don't don't say that and that one's really important to me. It's really, really important because we tell our kids not to ask questions. And immediately when you tell somebody not to ask a question, that means something is wrong. And they get more curious. And then they have to they tamp it down. And then it's just, well, there's something wrong with that person, so let's not even talk about it. And let's not even talk to that person. Like, if you just ask why, what's going on, Generally, I think people are going to be okay with it, especially if you do it in a tone that's at all caring or responsible. And so, I don't know, the, the goal was just to say, hey, when you do these things, you're not alone. Like, we, I, it was very important for me 
that we not demonize the people in these things. They're just doing what's hitting their mind. Like, that's, that's not a problem. I can't tell you to fight your instincts when you're trying to be nice to people. I just want you to understand them, whoever you are. And I've done it too. Like, I, everybody's got bias toward people. No matter what the bias is, like, we all have to make quick judgments in the world. It moves fast. That's okay. Just know that sometimes when you're trying to help, you might be able to learn instead of just trying to make the person into something that needs help. How much has that, with what you've done, with the awkward moments, reached across other disabilities? What have you heard back from the inspiration you provided for the people that are in your circumstance and how that can be applied elsewhere? Being honest, the disability community kind of sucks sometimes because everybody's got their own silo. And it's not like you can take a CPF, Cerebral Palsy Foundation spot and be like, hey, muscular dystrophy, why don't you run this? And it's what you touched on by asking that question is the major problem in getting people with disabilities counted as a group in the country. Because there are so many people, whether it's a work-related accident or a birth defect or whatever it is, so many people have some sort of disability. They just do. And it's a large percentage of our population. But nobody likes to intermingle. Everybody wants their own charity or their own foundation to be separate. And if everybody just got together, I, I think there would be a much larger lobby uh, than there currently is. And it's not like I'm flying to Washington to go march on the hill. I tend to take it from a, a more uh, humor-driven perspective, but I do think it's a major uh, factor of why people with disabilities don't necessarily get the rights that maybe they deserve, or the, uh, frankly, the services. Like, I'm not in need of services on a day-to-day -day basis, but there are so many people who are that just can't get them because of transport issues, or they can't get a job because of perceptual issues, or whatever it is. It's hard, it's hard to think about. And, and so when people say, like, You've been inspiring. I appreciate the heck out of that. And I also want everybody to know that like, there are people way worse off than me. So what happened first? Did Steve Stone win the Cy Young or was Jason Benetti born? Which, huh. which, which one happened? Because you glossed over the fact that you work with Stoney. We've known him for 100 years, back with Harry in the day. And you're right, because it seems like such a unique pair that has worked so well together. And I'm just curious on, on how that has been able to grow and manifest itself in such a way that allows you to smile, allows him to smile, and we all know we all we're all in the middle of the of the team that's lost seven in a row and it's nine to one in the fourth inning. Go, you know, entertain right. me. Right. And so, how 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 have you been able to do that with Stoney? He has such a knack for seeing a gap in something and just filling that. Just like, hey, I heard a word that made me think of X. Hey, I, that made me think of this story or whatever it might be. And he's got such a knack for the game that he's so perceptive and he sees small movements that I can ask him a question and he's got an answer. And and he'll go seek out a deeper answer than that too. The, the fun part for me is he just likes to laugh. I mean, he enjoys, he's worked, you know, he worked with Harry for so long, let alone Hawk, but, but Harry was such an entertainer first. And he was so good at that. And clearly, like Steve working with that very early in his career, that affected him deeply and profoundly. They were very close, he and Harry. And for me, it's, yeah, we've got the young guy and the old guy, but that's an, that's an easy thing to, for, for viewers to see. 
I tell him to iron his face, and he tells me that my little lighted box has all the answers, referring to my computer. And there, we, now we've done it. Okay, now that's the end of it. But he's kind of a young soul, and I'm kind of an old soul. So if we need to talk about MASH, we can talk about MASH. And I just got him to watch Breaking Bad, and he ran through it in, like, a road trip. I mean, so he's curious, I'm curious, and we like to laugh, and we like to entertain. And so that's where it all meets. And we both are pretty stubborn when it comes to arguments as well. So sometimes I'll say something, and he'll be like, nope, that's wrong. And I'll say, well, you're going to elaborate? And he's, nope, you're just wrong. And I just laugh it off because that's, you know, that's him. And, and I do the same thing sometimes when we're talking about other things. And it's, it's just it's a great partnership. Let me ask you, as we wind down our conversation of a season on the road with Jason Benetti, I want to close with this. You glossed over at the beginning, you know, I enjoyed the strategy as a kid, you know, watching games, video games, and trying to build the strategy, certainly practicing games on television, et cetera. You're, what, 35? I'm 58, so I'm, you know, I've been around a little bit longer, and I have concerns about the modern baseball game that I'm watching. Is it more modern to you? Do you see this game in a way that I like the way it's moving forward? Or do you feel like, yes, the athletes are great, but the game may not be what it should be? And, and these are some areas, I think, that maybe it could improve. Or are you, you happy with the, the world of the three true outcomes? Yeah, so I think it hits people harder who've played. I really do, because you get taught a certain way. If, if somebody just changed broadcasting completely, I'd have strong feelings about that, probably. But for me, reading up on the older rules of the game and like, hey, back in the day, they only used one baseball and they have to go chase it in the stands. And in the seventh inning, you're probably not going to hit a homer because the, the, the seams are ripped out and it's black like that. That's that's interesting to me. And that there was a pitcher's box that you could use laterally is interesting to me. And catching the ball on a hop to be an out is interesting to me. And so I think the evolution of this game, along with, you know, the changing of the mound after 68 and all of that, and uh, all of the rule changes suggest to me that baseball has evolved over time and will continue to evolve and will lose people but also gain people. And so I like watching that push and pull. I don't have strong feelings about it other than as the game currently is constituted, you have to understand as, as a manager, as um, a player, and I think as somebody consuming the game, that for like Joey Gallo not saying batting average, saying batting average is no longer important, he can both be accurate and not have been accurate 20 years ago. Those can both be true, but you know, you hit a three-run homer, you're so much more likely to win nowadays. And to not to not have power in a lineup is really a death knell, generally, in the game as we're watching it. But, but I do think, Vince, that the reason I feel comfortable about all this is baseball never lets things get too far afield. They always bring it in, whether it's with a rule change or whatever. So I, I like that, Mom, uh, that Rob Manfred is thinking about what we can do to legislate certain things, like to take out the mid-inning pitching changes, I think is a really good idea because we're getting shorter attention spans and our games are going longer. That's just like, that's stubborn. You, you can't be doing that. And you look at the first three-hour game time was like in the, in the late 80s or something. Like I was just looking the other day and I don't remember exactly when it was, but it wasn't that long ago, first three-hour average game time. 
And I don't think – I think baseball will evolve properly because it always evolves. But I also think that those of us that liked it one certain way aren't always going to be happy either. And I kind of like that, but it also makes me a little sad in the way that when the Dairy Queen in your town closes, you feel like a piece of you went away. Jason, great times. I really appreciate you uh, expounding on a, on a number of subjects. Uh, I know you just like being Jason Benetti, the baseball announcer, but you are so much more and so interesting, and you've handled that in such a graceful way. Wish you all the best and look forward to seeing you down the road. Thanks again for spending some time with me. Vince, I always like being around you. Thank you for your kindness. Jason Benetti with our edition of A Season on the Road. Join us again next time as we continue our travels throughout the course of the 2019 season. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 